The Long Box Crusade presents monthly Monday Movie Muckabout because the podcasting world needs just one more movie review show. I am Rick, also known as Not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and let me tell you, the best part of my job is hanging out in the Long Box Crusade headquarters, hanging out in this wonderful attic filled with all of these movies, and just waiting for somebody to stop by. Wait, what's that I hear? I hear some music coming from down the hall. Well, that can only mean one thing. That can only mean that it is musical genius Joe November stopping by to talk about movies with me. This is the man behind my theme song, as well as many of the songs on this network. Joe, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Rick. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This is this is awesome. Can't wait to get started. Hey, I'm, I am excited to have you. This is... I feel like I'm collecting playing cards a little bit, that I'm getting all of the members of the Long Box Crusade crew, and you're just one more member. I mean, get, getting you in here, it's like I'm getting the full house. I think at this point in time, you know, depending upon when this comes out, I may have actually talked to Pat Sampson, but I think it's you and Pat Sampson. You, you're the last two, and it's kind of a race oh, to man. see which one gets done first. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. No pressure. No, no pressure at all. No pressure. So you are old friends with Jared, the yard sale artist, Albrecht, and he is a movie nut. Are you a movie nut, too? I'm a movie nut. I'd say I'm above average. I I wouldn't say I'm at the level that Jared is, but uh, I know a a lot about a little. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of genre do you usually enjoy watching when you watch films? Are you just kind of whatever strikes your fancy? tend to to gravitate towards you know action maybe some fantasy type films you know grew up in the child of the 80s so i you know love the fantasy films like legend or uh secret of nim those types of movies willow i i just love that that type of genre but also like action movies as well you know the arnold schwarzeneggers and you know the mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone movies in the sports movies as well I'm a big basketball fan so I, I do like to watch sports movies but usually it's action fantasy and of course Lord of the Rings and you know the Hobbit all I love those things Star Wars it's huge yeah so I, I love stuff like that yeah uh, that's good that's good I I mean, you're talking about a lot of things, some of which we've covered on this as well. I think when we're done here, I need to show you my nice legend. I've got the uh, the devil finger from legend that's sitting oh, right above the desk here. I Mr. need to pull that uh, down Tim and show it to Curry. you. <laughs> Mr. Tim Curry and all of his red glory with his horns. Yeah. So I got I to gotta show you that before we get off here. But cool. no, I... I I, I like the those styles. I mean, you're talking about those movies that you grew up with, and Secret of Nim and all the Arnold Schwarzenegger and all you know, those ones that really seeded our childhood. People of our age, that's kind of the genres that we saw a lot of us when we were kids. And yeah, I, I want to say it ruined us, but I think it made us more uh, better people in some sense. I think. I hope. <laughs> I think it made us a little bit more tolerable about what's going on around us in the world. We've we've seen a lot. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. All right. Let's move on to the meat of the show. I know sure. that you're probably pretty anxious to find out what movie I would like you to watch with me, right? Yeah, yeah, that, I definitely would love to know. <laughs> well, I decided to go a little bit outside of the movies that you normally watch, and I decided sure. and I decided to delve a little bit into the horror realm, if you will. I'd like you to go back to 2019's Us. Oh, written and okay. directed by Jordan Peele. What do you know about this movie? I know that it was a great follow-up to his his first film, Get Out, and, and I saw that a couple of times. Absolutely loved it. 
And but I just never just had a chance to see what it was about. I mean, I, I knew it was about this family that going on an excursion and they run into their doppelgangers of the cells. But that's about all that I know about it. And I just never had the opportunity to check that movie out. But it was always something that, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, one day I'm going to check that movie out. But just never did. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's because, you know, you've got a couple of young kids that are keeping you away from watching a lot of media at this time. Um, <laughs> that's, that's quite possible. <laughs> quite possible. And maybe I, maybe horror movies are not quite the genre as we're doing the uh, being at home and away from other people right. at this point in time. Or maybe it's the right movie for this time. I'm not sure. But <laughs> it sounds like you are a fan of Jordan Peele. So yes. I think that, that at least that's a good step in this movie's direction. I don't want to talk too much more about this movie because there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with it and it almost feels like doing any kind of talking about it at all is going to give away some spoilers. So we're just going to go ahead and back slowly away from the movie case, listen to the trailer from 2019's Us and let Joe November sit down in a dark room with all the lights out in the middle of the night and watch this fine film. We'll see you at the other side. I can't believe how big they've got. Do you hear Gabe got a boat? <laughs> He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? 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 Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. I got <laughs> There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scare of a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Then we kill them. are back. I hope you had a time to watch the movie because if you didn't, 
guess what? We're going to spoil it for you because I'm going to give a synopsis, which has a bunch of spoilers in it. And then Joe November and I are going to spoil the heck out of this film. In 1986, a young girl, Adelaide, is at the Santa Cruz boardwalk with her parents. She walks away while they are not looking and wanders into a funhouse. In the mirror room, she has a horrifying experience where she sees a reflection of her that was not an image. Years later, she is at her family's vacation house with her son, daughter, and husband, but she still has trauma remembering her past, something she has never talked about. Her husband finally convinces her to return to the beach, where a series of events amp up her terror and her fear. Back at home that night, the family is confronted by their mirror images of themselves tethered duplicates that were created and bred in the abandoned tunnels below them. The family manages to escape and quickly discovers that they are not the only ones being hunted by their tethered, but they seem to be the only ones who have escaped. All right, here we are. A nice, good film. And and when we're recording this, it's Halloween, so how perfect is this? But Joe, tell me, what was your first impression of watching this film? What did you think of it? I thought there were just so many layers to this film. This is a typical... Jordan Peele film where you can watch it multiple times and always pick up something new. It's just the, the brilliance of his, his movie making. I was very impressed with it. It was definitely a horror genre. I read somewhere that his first movie, Get Out, there was a lot of confusion of what type of genre this that movie was. I think even the Golden Globes labeled a, a musical comedy type thing. So he made sure that, hey, this is definitely a horror film. He even had his actors brush up on some classic horror films like Jaws and and things like that. The Shining, which I'm sure you can see some nods to that movie in this movie. Yeah, it was a great film. So many things. There's still I have there's still questions that I have about the movie. And maybe we can either answer them here or just bring them up and just for discussion for the viewers and things like that, because there's definitely some things that I was questioning, you know, how did that happen? How did this person know this blah, blah, blah. So, but maybe through the course of discussion, we get those questions answered, but it's a great one. I agree with you. I think this is one of these films that I think all of Jordan Peele's films deal with a lot of questions, a lot of things to bring up and talk about and things to get you to think. I am right on board with you. I, I love the layers of this film. I love the blatant homages to all of the horror mm-hmm. movies. I mean, you see it, nearly right away with you see her picking a shirt at the carnival and it's Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. thriller and you see her son is wearing a wolfman mask he's wearing a Jaws yep. t-shirt they go to the beach the beach is shot like the beach shot at mm-hmm. Jaws there are so many things that are just screaming out do you remember this horror film? Are we bringing you into this feeling? And it's it creates a palpable fear, a palpable atmosphere that goes on in, in the film, which is great. Yeah. Now, I can't remember. You told me before that you had seen Get Out, correct? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Nope yet. I still want to go out and see it. I haven't but seen it either. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to ask you this, and then we'll probably get more into it later on, but how did you find this film compared to Get Out, which may or may not be a fair comparison, but... They, they're definitely different films. I feel like the first one is more of a thriller, and this one's definitely more horror. I love the the comedy in both. Even mm-hmm. though it's dark comedy, it's still comedy to me. <laughs> there was definitely some laugh out loud moments to me in both mm-hmm. films. I would say there's probably more of them in this film than there were in Get Out. Yeah. 
to me. I think I could agree with that. Let's start going through this film then. This is why we're here to talk about it. You mentioned some of the, the layers of this film. What were some of the initial questions that you had in watching this film? Because there there is things that continuously come up. There's a mystery that we, the viewers, and the main character are all solving. How did you feel going through that? And, and what kind of questions were you asking yourself? It started from the very beginning. When Adelaide, or I guess she's called Addie, was mm-hmm. a little girl watching TV back in 1986. And that Hands Across America commercial showed up. It was definitely foreshadowing. I felt like there was a purpose for why they were showing that. I didn't realize until I did some research later that there really was a Hands Across America campaign and it did extremely poorly. Yeah, it was definitely foreshadowing because the movie just felt like it was kind of like a, a critique of sort of like lazy attempts to do uh, equality mm-hmm. in some capacity. Understanding that there was matching between the hands across America picture with the little cutouts holding hands to the actual tethered, like I don't know, clones, I guess, mm-hmm. wearing red, holding hands. That was that was very interesting. The fun house that the little girl went into from the beginning had some it mentioned some Native American uh, mythology in the, the narration. Uh, I believe it was Hopi. Mm-hmm. mythology and i thought that was interesting why they decided to use that particular type of mythology in that system or in that movie than anything else and why why they decided to do that there were some other questions too i'm just trying to go through my notes uh <laughs> when uh the the friend i forget the guy's name they went to the beach and met the other family there and, and the guy was asking josh yeah, Josh and Kitty. Yes. Yeah, he was asking Gabe, you know, did you, you have all your stuff? Do you have life vests or something like that? Yeah. Do you have a flare gun? Yeah. And when he said no, he's like, no, I, I knew you'd forget the flare gun. I was thinking, oh, I bet that's important. <laughs> I bet that's going to come up again. <laughs> and it you, 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 it, it's Chekhov's gun. You can't mention a flare gun in the first act and not have it used by the end of the third act. Exactly. Know? Exactly. <laughs> I think the main question that I had now that I finished the film, obviously there's a spoiler. There's a huge twist mm-hmm. at the very end. Is that something we can talk about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We so, give the warning up front. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the twist is that the little girl who was shown in the beginning of the movie is actually the tethered mm-hmm. girl and they had switched through various circumstances. What I didn't understand is how the son knew that who he was looking at was not his mother, because you could tell that he was hesitant when she said, everything's fine. We're going to be okay. And he was like, "Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> he was like, no, nah, I'm not buying this. You could tell that he was not, he's not in a good place. And even though they showed like the realization of, Oh, I'm the person who's tethered. And then he looks back and smiles at her son and he's just looking at her strings like, "Uh Oh, and she just smiles. And then that it rolls credits. It was just like, Oh wow. That's an interesting twist. But I didn't realize, I didn't figure out how he figured it out. I'm not sure because I haven't looked into that per se, but I was thinking that he spent a lot of time down there. Yes, he did. Because she took him. Yep. And it might have been that he might have heard some things or might he, you know, now that he had a chance to relax, come down off the adrenaline and start replaying things in his head, 
that's when he all of a sudden might have realized that, wait a minute, something is not quite right. Or maybe some snatches of conversation he heard while he was locked in the locker, maybe that started to penetrate through and he started putting things together and saying, I don't know if this is, you know, this is my mother, mm -hmm. but who is my mother? Or yeah. he could also be thinking to himself too, did my mom get switched while we were down there? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was certainly something that I did not expect. And, I, and I'm glad I'd never, like, you know, read any reviews or any spoilers because I was totally surprised mm -hmm. by that twist when it came. I was like, man, because I kept thinking, OK, I kept asking myself, OK, what is the point in all this? Is there mm -hmm. something that's going to happen where it's just going to be like, you know, blows my mind? Because that's usually what kind of happens in these types of films. Um, so. But I could I could tell that there was a buildup. The entire movie was a huge buildup. There were several different elements to it that were building up to something that would reveal like the main plot of the movie. It, it started from the beginning. I don't know if you caught in the uh, beginning when he was when they were at the the park and she was she left the father and she was going down the steps and there was that amusement ride. Yeah. It didn't sound like an amusement ride, like a like a park. It sounded like flies buzzing. There was a buzzing. Yeah, there was a buzzing that was going on, which you could think of like biblical plague, pestilence types of foreshadowing type of things that it was purposeful in the audio. Jeremiah 11, 11, the, the sign mm -hmm. that that uh, guy was holding actually pulled up the Bible verse. It says, therefore, the Lord proclaims, I will bring upon them a disaster from which they won't be able to escape. Mm -hmm. They will cry out to me, but I won't listen to them. Yeah. I was like, huh. Which they brought about themselves. This is most good horror. Well, mm -hmm. I, I, I won't say that, but there is an element of good horror that's out there that is derived from man-made disasters. And this yeah. is a man-made disaster. These clones were bred for an experiment and then left on their own. It yep. is a story about Adelaide and her clone Red and the fact that they got switched and the fact that there is also a, a sadness and despair to this that she was able to grow and adapt to society. Something that right. all of probably all of the clones did want at some point in time, whereas the real Adelaide had to suffer and was oppressed and was smothered in the society until she learned how to take it over. Yeah. Because of what happened, because of the switch, one person got to live a very fulfilling life and the other person was able to bring a rise up of the mutants from the sewers. Yeah. And there was also an element of kind of predestiny, at least for the tethered, because how did the tethered know how to, which people to kind of meet and be, you know, have a children with that type of thing? Because it could have been anybody, you know? She did mention that. Red mentioned that a little bit where she said that I didn't have a choice about who I was going to meet or marry or fall in love with because they were just, they had to follow along with where their tethered were and and who their tethered right. were interacting with and so she had to be there in front of this man yeah and i believe she called him abraham yes and, abraham yeah yeah and so it's like yes it looked like looked like gabe mm -hmm. but or gabe, mbaku you know, yeah <laughs> i thought that was cool mbaku and nakia from black panther <laughs> yeah, I, I love all of the acting in this. Every single person in this is fantastic. But yeah, yeah, just the fact that his tethered was a grunt, a low brow man. She and 
She didn't love him, but she had to marry him. She had to have yeah. kids with him because that's what her tethered did. That's what the rules were. I thought it was so interesting that, you know, because I couldn't tell how widespread this whole, these shadow people were. And, you know, obviously you saw the four people in one family versus the four real uh, people in the family. But when the two dads were fighting in the boat scene and Abraham was yelling out into the mm-hmm. distance and you could hear a shriek back, like a call and response. Yeah. I was thinking, are there others? Yeah, because at that point in time, we only know about the family at that point. Exactly, exactly. And so I'm like, oh, this is this this world is getting a little bit bigger than just four crazy people just showing up with you know a mystery background. You don't know where they come from. Did I did get a chuckle that Josh the shirt that he was wearing at the beach? I think it said fragile on it, and it was it was in white. And I was thinking. <laughs> White fragility? Is that what that means? <laughs> yep. I, I would I would completely go with it. I mean, the, the characters we don't care about, are, the only characters we really care about are the family. Right. And we care about their tethered. Right. The ones we don't care about are the white family. I mean, these are their closest friends, and we know very little about them. And it seems like that's all that the Wilsons know about the Tylers is just the very base level. Yeah. They're friends, but they're friends. Th- that's all you need to know because, well, that's just what the family is. Yeah. And then there were other kind of, and, it, and she, and the, and the main character, Addie, spoke about, you know, all these coincidences coming up. 1111, which kind of yep. represents synchronicity. And then, like, when the guy threw the frisbee and it landed on the exact spot on top of the towel, it was just mm-hmm. like, how does that happen? And just all these other things that are just kind of popping up that are kind of, matching each other but you know coincidentally matching it, it was just like yeah there's there's something that's going to happen <laughs> it gets into that idea of the tethered and, and the people that are exactly alike each other yeah okay i'm gonna ask this question mm-hmm. there is a long history of horror films and there is the the black man is the only one who gets the first one to get killed in the horror movies yeah so in this one we do have the white family that gets killed in the They get killed movie. to a spectacular soundtrack I made at. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I never just nodded my head to a murder <laughs> like I was doing. I was like, oh, my goodness, they are playing. In the, and just the, the fact that this Amazon Alexa type device was working so incorrectly. Yep. Um, it's like Ophelia call the police and it's like play F the police by NWA <laughs> oh my god that was brilliant that was brilliant like the failure of technology the failure of technology compounded on that it's happening to this white family right chef's right. kiss chef's kiss you know yeah <laughs> it was beautiful <laughs> um, the Heideki joke was hilarious yeah <laughs> like what kind of white <laughs> why would you <laughs> That was hilarious. What a, what a white thing to do is to have a yeah. hide a key. Hide a key. They also did a nice title drop when Jason says it's us when he realizes, yeah. oh yeah, this is this is us. This is our the family. Yeah. And I'll, when when everybody does title drops, I always think of Family Guy. He's like, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> he said the word. It's it's really easy in this one too, and it's yes. it's a very simple title, but it also ha- speaking of layers, it does have other meanings. Mm-hmm. This program was set up by the U.S. and a lot of what we see here, and a lot of what the families, both families, are going for, especially the Wilsons, is the perfect Americana thing. The dad wants to have the boat 
They've got a vacation house at the beach. They've got the history of coming here. He wants to, you know, there's just so much of it that is, I I have a perfect American nuclear family. There's there's a lot of that built into it too. And the fact that we've got hands across America, Mm -hmm. this just boondoggle of a failure of a semi good idea that occurred mid 80s right it goes right into that entire thing like this is what the united states is there's a rot that's occurring underneath everything that they're seeing yeah and it's that rot that is that is going to destroy them and there was a a reflection of who we want to be and who we really are and that mm-hmm. was represented by tethered people and the, and the and the real family. And there was something that was really chilling when they said, who are you? And Red uh, says, we're Americans. Yeah. Uh, I was like, wow. <laughs> that yeah. self-realization from the shadow people was, it was just remarkable. I want to talk, really get in depth with this family. We've talked about them a little bit, but we, we have to really appreciate the characters in here. And I'm going to go ahead and start with the youngest of the main family, Jason. Mm-hmm. First of all, he seems to be the horror aficionado. He's wearing the Wolfman mask. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the Jaws t-shirt and his name is Jason. Yep. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing coincidental or accidental there. That was, that was great. <laughs> no, no. And then we have his tethered, which is Pluto, mm-hmm. who is a pyromaniac. Yep. A scarred pyromaniac. Yeah, he's been through some things. Uh, yeah. And the fact that he was so, like, feral just kind of added a nice little layer to the character as well. Because you never knew what he was going to do. And he, even Red said, you know, he has a temper. So it's like, oh, man, this kid seems dangerous. It was, yeah, it was just amazing to see that. And yet at the same time, I did appreciate he wanted love and he wanted friendship. Mm-hmm. Because he was still a little boy, yeah. which also brings the question of these are not monsters. Well, we could almost say Red's a monster and Abraham's coming close. But yeah. Pluto, he's not a monster. He is what he is. He's raised in his element, but he wants to be friends. He wants to play. He wants to, he wanted to connect. And he seems to want love. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. I did get a kick out of Josh's boat's name, the Biatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was hilarious. <laughs> I forgot what Gabe's boat's name was. It was the... I didn't write it down, but it was so funny because that just became... The boat became a punchline. Even afterwards, the kid was like, nobody wants the boat, Dad. No. (laughs) Nobody wants the boat. Boat that that barely starts and always pulls to the left. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just... I wanted to talk a little, just keep going up the family's mm-hmm. names there. Zora. And yes. she, I was sorry too. Jason was played by Evan Alex. Okay. Zora was played by Shahadi Wright Joseph. Yes. And then her tethered uh, characters was Umbre. Yep. You mentioned before, we've got the Chekhov's gun. Jordan Peele likes to do that. He likes to hint things in there. The family has a conversation about, are you going to do cross country? Are you going to keep doing cross country? Right. You're a runner. You should keep it up. I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who lately too. And I, I just, there's always the, the zombie thing and the doctor who you always run you need to know how to run you need to run away from the trouble mm-hmm. but they bring that back too with the character she's a runner yes and then they also they also mirror that too with her tethered as well yes yes because even the when they're telling the kids to escape you know she's like zora run she knows exactly what to do she just starts running uh, until she can't run anymore. And it was creepy that they had Umbre smile the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does make me want, me want me to see that, make me want to see that 
new horror movie called Smile, I think. I think it's called Smile. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> you think something so innocuous as a smile could be so creepy and just build some type of questioning purpose behind it. And you don't know why people keep smiling all the time that it can put you off guard. And they use that element really, really good in this film for that character. Like, so there was always yeah. some hidden joke or something that person knew that you didn't know. And it just brings out insecurities and fears and things like that just from a smile. Yeah. <laughs> I also like Zora herself because she is, I think both of the kids get it real fast. Mm, They figure mm. this out. They are in danger. They need to do things to survive. Oh, and they did things. They stepped up when when those tethered twins came after them. (laughs) Zora took care of business with that golf court. (laughs) And then then had a fight later on with her family as she was like, well, I'm going to drive. I've killed the most. (laughs) Yeah, they were arguing over body count. I couldn't believe that. I think it's part of this turning the trope on its head type of a thing. Yeah. We are going to, you're waiting for people to fall apart and to just, we are going to keep dying and losing people because we're not following the rules. We're not doing what we need to survive. This family comes together. They do. They do. They, they, they really come together to try to solve whatever is going on and figure out and get to the bottom of, get out of, you know, whatever hole that they're in. It really speaks to the dynamic of their family. The dad is a, obviously a Howard University alum, which I picked up on immediately because of the shirt. My mother went to Howard. So I was, I had a nice little connection with him. Winston Duke is also, he's a, a Trinidadian. My wife is from Trinidad. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I was definitely connected to these characters beyond just what I was seeing on the screen. And so it was, it was really interesting that they had those elements in there. Alice in Wonderland was a huge theme across the movie, Follow the White Rabbit. <laughs> it was definitely, definitely in there. You know, Neo, they did the same thing with The Matrix, countless other films. But yeah, Follow the White Rabbit. Yeah. I was questioning why all the rabbits were let out, though. That uh, that was never answered to me. <laughs> I think it's it's part of the prison that they're in. The rabbits were part of the prisoners, just like the tethered were. The tethered, they didn't have food. They had rabbit meat because rabbits oh, can that's breed. that's right. Yeah, that's what they ate. That's what they ate. That's and then right. the rabbits were let out because they were free. And so they're letting the rabbits run free, too. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> One of the breaking of expectations is, of course, Winston Duke, mm-hmm. Gabe. He is the father figure. I'm not going to say he's ineffectual, but he gets taken out pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. As as big and strong as he appears, yeah. he met his match and it was no contest from the no. beginning. <laughs> no, I guess he wasn't really taken out, but he was hampered by his leg and that yeah. put him down a level. Yeah. His wife, Addie, she is the one that really runs the family anyways. And he seems to be very, he seems to be wanting to work with her. They seem to be co-parents on things. But once again, the ex- the changing of expectations, you're expecting the man to take charge of the situation. But this is her movie. This is her story. Oh, she and- even says, you're not making the decisions anymore. Yeah. Very yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly. She, she laid yep. down that crown rule very clearly. The, there was one element that did frustrate me about Gabe because when Addie was kind of telling her story, he was either making jokes or not really taking it serious. It did lead me to believe that she hadn't shared that particular part of her childhood to him yet. And so that's why he was kind of oblivious to why she was behaving so weirdly. Yeah. So when she finally explained, it was like, oh, she hadn't told him yet. And so that, that makes sense. 
because you know he was he was focused on one thing and it definitely wasn't yeah. <laughs> her childhood. <laughs> and it also seems like the way he dispute diffuses all the situations is always with a joke. He always is going for the joke. Yeah. That's his, his defense mechanism. And when he has is faced with this new information about her past, they've been together for a f- a few years, you know, at least 12 years mm-hmm. just by the ages of their kids, plus more on top of that. Yeah. Okay, this has been a long time. We've been coming out here for a while. You never go to the beach. There's a reason. Why didn't you tell me about this before? Yeah. The conversation that they were having when they were watching the news, like after the the Tyler family got killed, mm. I, I didn't realize like they one of the, the tether was just laying there dead right in front of them while they were talking. <laughs> Passed out. Yeah. Passed out, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> just chilling. They were just having a conversation. I'm like, oh, just ate some cereal. And I kept thinking, don't you guys need to leave? The, the police will check our fingerprints. They're going to see. <laughs> I'm trying to put realism to it. And it's just like, the, you know, you just had to go along for the ride and see what the characters decide to do within the frames of the film. Well, it, at that point in time, they are in a bit of a safe situation, they think, yeah. for a moment, till the hide key thing. But yet, just taking a moment to breathe, like I said, the family is coming t- to terms with this really quickly. Like you said, their dead friends and the dead tethered of their friends are scattered around them, and they give them zero mind, because we've already <laughs> kind of explained, this family doesn't mean all that much to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're yeah. closest friends, and they don't really shed too much of a tear that they're dead. So they're they're on survival mode at this yeah. point. And to go back earlier to what you're saying about how the kids really took action when you know, first of all, the daughter wanted to drive, and she definitely mm-hmm. wanted to do that, and so she put her foot down literally to, <laughs> to drive <laughs> and uh, take care of business. But the other thing I thought was nice was when uh, Jason realized the connection between himself and Pluto Mm -hmm. and realize, hey, if I start walking away and backing up, he's going to do the same thing. There's nothing that he can do about it. So he really smart to have that self-realization of what the connection is between him and his family and this tethered family. Unfortunately, he caught, he got caught blindsided by Red. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought of this and I think this can explain the kids And the fact that the husband, of course, Gabe was injured early on, but the kids, how well they're dealing with the situation, they are part tethered. Hmm. And and this might get into some of the questions of what are you born with and what do you learn? Mm -hmm. They are half cloned tethered person. They were raised in our society, but their mom, unbeknownst to them, was actually tethered, tethered, was actually a clone. So what part of their own genetic makeup it might be more predisposed to whatever this is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. That that definitely leads down an uncharted road, but certainly something that will be fun to explore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not giving you any answers. I'm asking more questions. At this oh, no, point. <laughs> man. These are great questions. Um, just to let you know, I'm, I'm an English major. My uh-huh. bachelor's was in English. So diving into these different layers of, storytelling is just fascinating to me and that's and that's really the appeal that jordan peele has with his films he he loves to just put layers on layers on layers and makes you think about the possibility of what's going on within that world he created hours days months after you watch the film yeah one person we really haven't delved enough into and that is of course the star lupita nyango yes who plays the addy how 
amazing is she in this film and how expressive is all of her looks yeah she is just top-notch acting i read somewhere that the voice that she used for red was trying to match one of the kennedys who had some type of disorder where he breathes through his larynx or something like that and she wanted to match that because that character that tethered character hadn't spoken in a long time and then all of a sudden she's learning how to speak and she was trying to capture what that sound would be like and so just to hear her alter her voice that way to create a whole different character beyond the appearance but just what she sounds like it just added another great layer to how she uses her acting skills to convey a character i think all four of the characters did a great job of being the two different characters their own stretches of acting in that role she had the biggest lift because like you said she had to do the voice she definitely was the last one she had a lot of exposition that she needed to do with both characters to explain what was going on and She needed to carry both the dread and the hope at the same time in both characters. I can definitely see that. That's and she did a great job doing that. It was it was amazing to see the dread, the fear, the anxiety, you know, composed with the the strength, the determination, the guts. Mm -hmm. She embodied both of those two extremes in this film. One thing I wanted to also ask on is the finale of the film where all of this is building up to it's all building up to a replaying of the hands across America by the tethered. Mm -hmm. It's such a childish and unimpressive kind of thing that they're doing in the sense of, well, you, you've just gone and murdered everybody. And that is your big goal. It's not world domination or anything like that. You just want to do hands across America. Right. That's your statement. (laughs) Yeah. What's that's your statement. What do you think the reasoning behind that was? That's a good question because, you know, obviously within the the confines of the film, that's what the characters decided to do. But it's as art imitates life and life imitates art, it was certainly a reflection on what our current society has to deal with different facets of people trying to either find purpose or find equality or find togetherness in the weirdest of circumstances and trying to connect in some way. I felt like there was an, a, a level of connection that they were trying to achieve by any means necessary, <laughs> which, which, which it became down to. And then it just brought down elements of, okay, all these people are trying to do something for a purpose. And then you had the rest of the population just looking on like, what's going on? They were kind of spectators <laughs> to this phenomenon yeah. that was going on. What is, what's going on? What does this mean for the rest of the world, the nation? What's going on in Southern California? <laughs> and all of a sudden, this thing is going on because I'm sure it made national, global news yeah. within this. Uh, this I think that was what they're showing too. Is that? Yeah. I don't think it was just national. I think it was across the United States. I, I, I and that they were spreading out across the entire United States. That's true because it did say in the beginning the just the text itself was foreboding, uh, where they're like you know there's hundreds of miles of tunnels or whatever across the U.S. Yeah. No one knows their real purpose. And then it just kind of slowly fades out. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and all of this was, of course, the idea of Red. She was the ringleader for this. She's the one who spread this message across because this is the last thing that she remembers of being the prime, of being the lead tethered before mm-hmm. she came down here and before she 
started to have her own sense of purpose be- again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's still crazy to think about. Like the the girl that we see is not really that the girl that is. <laughs> well, but yeah. then there's also the question as well of, but does it matter? Yeah, yeah. it might have mattered to her parents that this was not really her but after she grows up and after they raise her as their own child well isn't she their child yeah and for gabe and will and zora and jason that's his wife and their kids yeah she's not an imposter but she is an imposter yes she's not (laughs) but she is it's yeah it's yeah, it's so many. That's it's just great. It's just great to. Is there anything that we missed from your notes? I'm going through it. I think we touched on everything that I wanted to talk about. When Pluto comes out, he's like, "It's a trap. Get out." He mentioned the previous movie. <laughs> he said the <laughs> he words. Said the words. <laughs> I think if we paid attention, somebody would have said, "Nope." <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would have been foreshadowing for sure. <laughs> Oh, when um, Lupita's character came back to the fun house and smacked the hell out of that mechanical owl. <laughs> he didn't want to get spooked again. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, it, it freaked out as a kid and there was no hesitation. Yeah, she like, she remembered that. She remembered that owl and that owl was out. Yes. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm taking this one out. And then when Red said, and then there was us, she said it again. She said, yeah, the she said it again. So, but yeah, we hit on pretty much everything um, that I wrote notes on. So, yeah, this is good. Let me go ahead and ask you the big question then. And this is different than I get to do every other time because this is the Longbox Crusade Network. We always rate our films and we always give them full banks of popcorn because we don't do halvesies. We don't do halvesies. But since this is the Longbox Crusade Network and you are Joe November, the only person, the only person on Longbox Crusade Network who can do this, you can do a half star if you want to. So, one, two, five, halvesies are in play for both of us. What would you give this film? How many full or half bags of popcorn would you give this film? I will do four and a half bags. Very nice. And I I guess I don't do five just because there were just, there's just still some questions that you know, they're unanswered. So there's a little bit of longing on resolution uh, to mm-hmm. the film that won't ever happen. And that's kind of the point. <laughs> but I get that. So but it's it's definitely more than a solid film for sure for me. Yeah, I am going to actually go a little bit in the other direction. I would normally probably give this a four. But because I get a chance to do halvesies, I'm actually going to do a three and a half. Okay. And my reason is, is I wanted a little bit more terror. I wanted a little bit more fear. The thing I like about this film is I like how competent the family is once they start getting in the mindset. But unfortunately, that takes out a whole lot of level of fear. (laughs) So I I don't know what how else to really install it. But I think I just wanted a bit more terror, a bit more fear in there. You wanted. Yeah, you wanted the stakes to be a little bit higher for maybe one of the characters. Maybe one of the family members dies or something like that. And they maybe, to, maybe that's yeah, that was what they, was needed. You know, they had to figure out how to go on without you know this particular family member or something like that. Yeah, I can see that. I, I do love this film. And, and I, the three and a half is not meaning any shame on the film at all. I just I get a chance to do a half. I'm going to use it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, normally I would probably give it a good four. But I just there's a bit more that is missing in the film. And, and I think that that that's what actually hurts it for me. Okay, but, that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, there was one thing I forgot to mention. Sure. When they were playing, like after they played NWA, then it went to Beach Boys. 
Good vibrations. Yeah. Me personally, I've always felt like that that whistle sound in the chorus was weird to me. And they were playing that as these murders were going on and as these tether were fighting. And it just it kind of gave me a shudder because it's like, yeah, it's creepy. I mean, that's the song is about good vibrations, but they have this weird, ghostly, eerie whistle sound that I've always found freaky and it just played very well to kind of like the mood of the, or the set that was going on at the time. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting choice of song to put. I like it when directors do that with music where they put they, they put music. There's a word for this, too, and I've totally forgotten it. They put music that is happy or joyful and they put it up against horrific or terrible things. A great example of this is most of the scenes in American Psycho. They also do it in the movie Face Off where I think they're doing somewhere over the rainbow and the kids listening to it on this headset. Oh, yeah. Well, this horrible you know, there's a lot of different places where they do use that where they use music that doesn't quite fit and this is another great example of where that occurs where they're playing good vibrations and people are getting slaughtered yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one <laughs> so you just mentioned music you are known as joe november the music guy so is there anything that you would like to plug, any work that you do, anywhere people can go and listen to some of the things that you've created for our ears? Well, um, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus for about a year or so, but I still have some music on Bandcamp as under Joe November. You can search uh, Joe November on SoundCloud, on Apple Music, on Spotify, Amazon Music. Uh, I'm on TikTok and Facebook under Joe November. But I'm going to start getting back into some projects. Had some a couple of live events this year. It kind of set me back, but now I'm going to get back on track. So looking forward to put out some more music. So looking forward to that. Excellent. Excellent. Another place you can find his music is at the beginning and ending of this episode, because Joe November has done my music and it's beautiful music. I love the music of my show. I'm it's glad you like it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You can also find me on Twitter at mmuckabout or on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my tethered shadow who only wears Hands Across America shirts, Jeff. <laughs> if you would like to be on the show, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at Jeff and Rick present all one word at gmail.com. A big thank you to the Longbox Crusade Network for letting me use this wonderful attic of their headquarters to broadcast the show. And... Also, to all of the Longbox Crusade members who help support this network, if you want to help support the network, head on over to Patreon and search for the Longbox Crusade. That's all the time we have today, but grab the popcorn and pull up a seat, because we will be back in a month with another episode. The music for this episode is Fall Back by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E. F-L-I-N-9-9.